0: A mystery that's no real mystery at all, just amazing grace, next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. A good part of the love and fascination of a good mystery novel is the revelation of that mystery at the end of the book. We all love to see how it turns out. Well that's precisely what's happening here in Ephesians chapter 3 as the Apostle Paul lays out for us a mystery designed to be understood, a mystery of oh, immense universal proportions, a mystery born out of the very heart of God. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard here in Ephesians chapter three. As you join us for today's program, we would also invite you to join us Saturday, June 4th. Mark it on your calendar. I'll tell you more at the close of the program, but it's our Truth For Today listener celebration. You're the guest of honor. Along with great food, there's great fellowship, testimonies, Ron Walters, our special guest, and of course, yourself. Saturday, June 4th. We'll tell you more in just a bit right now. Here's Pastor Phil with today's program.
1: The good news that God would make people heirs, members of the body, uh, partakers of the promise of God. Paul said, I'm a servant of this glorious good news. And part of the gospel interchange here for him is the good news includes this mystery when it comes to the Gentiles. God's including you. I became a servant of this by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. He's saying I was assigned to serve out of grace and I was empowered by God's spirit. Watch this. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable, which means infinite. There's about 15 translations on this word, but it really means infinite. You you can't find the depths. There are more riches in Christ than you'll ever plumb. They're untraceable, untrackable, uh, undescribable, they're infinite. And he said, God has entrusted to me the privilege as an apostle that I'm giving by direct revelation this truth and I've become a prisoner for it. I've become a servant of it and I'm entrusted with it. And you know, all week I've been thinking, I didn't want this chapter to move me. I wanted to be in charge of it. I was telling Pastor Rollins, I said, sometimes we're in charge of the Bible and it's not in charge of us. I was moved as I read it. That here, I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet but I got the same revelation by scripture. I can tell a Gentile man, did you know that God's found a way to make you an heir? Did you know God has revealed a way you could become a member of his son's body? Did you know that you can become a partaker of promises not given by presidents or councils or UN, but by the divine majesty on high, you can touch and plug into divine promises? I get to do this by just proclaiming what's been written. I don't know, I've got a revelation, but it's written. Paul got it directly from the Lord and he writes it down. Are you a servant of this gospel? What drives us as a church to tell people good news or bad news, to see how many people we keep guilty because they can't do enough of the rules, jump through enough hoops. Honey, you can't jump through enough hoops to ever win God's favor. You've got to come to Christ. He is your favor. He is the one that can get you a standing with God. It's not your ability to be religious, keep all the rules and learn to act like a stereotype Christian. Get over it. He saves sinners that believe him and trust him. Why would he say this? He's saying, when I think of what I was when God found me and what I've been entrusted to get out, I'm less than the least of everything God could use. Because he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, he said, you've got to know when God found me, I was persecuting the church of God. I had just come from Acts 7 where I consented to the death of Stephen. I'd got letters from the Sanhedrin. And in Acts 9, I'm going to Damascus to see Christians killed. I'm there to incarcerate. I'm there to persecute. And on the way to persecute, I'm stricken, knocked off a donkey, see a light brighter than the noonday sun. And when God got through with me on that Damascus road, I was commissioned to be an apostle to bear this message to the nations. I can never forget what Stephen looked like as the stones crushed his skull. I can never imagine the death plots I had already conjured up to kill the people I now am a part of. He said, you must know that God stooped way down to employ me to preach this gospel. The gospel I hated, the people I hated, the Messiah I rejected, and now I've been commissioned to bear this message. What were you before God saved you? Why did God track you down to save you, to make you one of his witnesses? Were you a drug dealer? Were you a drug user? Were you a pompous, arrogant, self-sufficient, I don't need God person? Did you hate Christianity because all Christians are hypocrites? What were you before God knocked you off the donkey? forgave you of your sins and said, I want you to get up and bear witness to the fact that if I'd stoop low enough to save you, there's got to be hope for the rest. And that's what Paul is saying, I'm less than the least, and I've been given the exalted privilege of being entrusted with this mystery to preach it and get it out to the Gentile audience. And when you think, if you draw a map from Jerusalem and you go all around the boot there in Italy, you go down to Crete, You go up to Galatia, way up there, Cappadocia, Uh, Mai, Bithynia, Philippi, Thessalonica. Just get yourself a little map in the back of your Bible and see how far he got with it. Lystria, Derby, Iconium, Corinth. He didn't do bad for one man without a microchip. No man that can make a Southwest ticket reservation had to go on ship vessels, overland, among robbers, Three days and nights on the deep, robbed, beaten, gone hungry, all for what? For the glorious privilege of getting this good news to the Gentile world. Sometimes I ask, if God was depending on us to get out the word and the gospel to this county, will it happen? He says, God gave me this grace to preach the unsearchable riches to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery this word administration can be translated house rule it's oikos nomos house law it, it can be translated stewardship sometimes you get see translated economy it's basically a household structure and he says i am preaching about the administration of god's grace god's got this household That he's running on the principles of grace you get into it by the grace of god it's rules of the grace of god not moses law and he said i'm in charge as a steward over this household dispensing to all the household the infinite riches of christ he said i've been given the great privilege you see in biblical times you see it illustrated in luke 16 the owner of the house could have a steward that managed the house. But to all the household workers, it was as though he were the owner, but he dispensed and managed it for the owner. And Paul says, I see myself as a dispenser of this message underneath the owner, the master, even Christ himself. Now, there's uh, three meanings of all of this that I think we should focus on. Uh, Verse 10, this mystery is being lived out that the church has now become God's university for angels. Angels to go to school, come down and study the church. And notice verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen to that. Heavenly bodies. I used to think this was good angels, but he doesn't say good angels. It's probably the latest scholarship I look at in the comparison with Colossians 2, probably fallen angels, evil angels, are observing the victory of Christ. And part of the victory of Christ is I have done something you said could never happen. I've brought Jew and Gentile together in one people. I've removed the middle wall of partition. And according to Colossians 2, I've stripped you principalities and powers. I've stripped you of your victory. The cross is being victoriously displayed through what God is doing in the church. Because in the church, it's the only place on all the earth where reconciliation really takes place. In the church, people who become Christians are reconciled to God. And people in the church have that message and power to be reconciled to one another. The evil spirits that are looking, what's going on? I used to run this guy's life. I used to get guys shot through this guy. I used to do this through this fellow, this gal. I used to, and now I look down the church and, and what's God, God's using them. They're teaching, they're just scratching their heads. And Kenneth Weiss used to call it God's University for Angels. They're saying, What's he doing? You can't do that. You can't have men treating women. As people of worth, they're just people you use. Women are to be used. But in the church, where salvation's working in the hearts of people, they're people of worth. You can't get a bunch of races in one meeting without a race fight. That's what demons would say. Surely you could get a Gentile and a Jew in the same meeting. There are some Jews here this morning. I know them. Born again, going to heaven just like us. We were in the same meeting this morning, using the same Bible, got the same spirit, same destination, same birthright. It does happen every day. But they're seeing God's... Guess what? When spirit beings see saints getting along, they're seeing God's wisdom on display. The greatest victory of demonic powers is when saints don't love one another. Because we're God's display model of what it can be like until Jesus sets up his kingdom. Uh, Two, he says not only is the wisdom of God displayed through this mystery, but uh, through this mystery, it's revealed that uh, we have been given an incredible welcome by God. And I want to... uh, explain this to you because there's a verse that uh it just kind of blew me away when i discovered this in verse 12. uh it can be translated this way uh in him that is christ by him or in union with him and through faith in him we may approach god well it's really the other translation would go this way. In whom we have the boldness and access through his faithfulness. The word is not faith in Christ for salvation. But this word in a Greek text, the way the word order is, that uh, it, this is the way it is. In whom we have boldness and confidence through the faithfulness of Christ. What he's saying our confidence is based upon. He's already said we're joined to him, so he's not being redundant and saying through faith in him. We've been joined to him by union, by faith in Christ, and now our confidence is based upon his faithfulness. The faithfulness of Christ guarantees these three things, in how we can approach God. Christ is faithful. Let me read you a line. Uh, As his place in the presence of God is unchallengeable, so is theirs because they are in him. We have boldness to come before God. Why? Because of the faithfulness of Christ. And what he did in pleasing the Father on our behalf, because of that, we are confident we can come before God three ways. Here's the three ways. One, we come with boldness, is the old word, or confidence. Let me read you what the word confidence, boldness, really meant. This is Arndt Gingrich. Listen to it. Outspokenness, frankness, plainness of speech. Conceal nothing out in the open. That's what boldness meant. Uh, Openness. A third use that he gives in his lexicon is courage, confidence, fearlessness, especially in the presence of a person of high rank. Be frank with me when you come. Be open with me. Share everything. Put it all out on the table. Hold back nothing. Be bold. Don't play protocol rules with me. Don't grovel. Don't say, "Well, Lord, you know I'm in. No, talk to me. Be plain. Speak as plainly to me as you yell at your wife. Just tell me. Bonus because of Christ. Think of it—you can come into the presence of Majesty on high, and you don't have to tremble about how you say it. You just got freedom of speech, and he understands Oki okay, Italian. Uh, you know this—he knows all that bad grammar. He knows how to figure it out. Why aren't you coming? You don't think Christ is good enough to win you a hearing? You don't understand the mystery. The mystery is he bought the Gentiles the ear of God based on the merits of Christ. It's overwhelming. Just tell him what you need. And tell him your heart. And he won't kick you out because he looks to his son and his son says, Father, I bought them the privilege to talk to you this way. Two, we've got access And this word for access, there's two meanings of the word. One was to be granted entree to a king or a royal court. The second usage of the word was it was used of a haven or a harbor. It's where ships got out of the storms and they found a resting place. And he says, come, for when you come to him, you'll find you have access You not only have a divine, royal privilege of going into the presence of the King, you'll also find it will be your escape from the storms of life into the haven of rest before the throne of grace. You know what? You can have a nervous breakdown if you don't develop a prayer life. Because anxiety and fear are the two guests of a prayerless life. Every time fear and anxiety grows in you, it's because prayer is not taking place. And fear and anxiety is heaven's wake-up call saying, I haven't been hearing from you. So I'm going to replace your heart with fear and anxiety. Why? I'm wanting you to show up. And he lets the load get so heavy that you'll figure, figure out a way, I need to talk to God about this. It's terrible that he has to do that to us. But when you've got anxiety in your heart, you obviously are not praying because prayer gets rid of anxiety, Philippians 4, 6. Well, uh, finally he said we can come with trust. Confident trust is the idea. Uh, We don't come in unbelief. Uh, We come in this trust all because of Christ because I know that Christ has propitiated the Father and that he is the faithful high priest. I come with boldness. I know I've got access and I come with confidence which means confident trust. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. I don't know where else you can get this kind of a deal that you can get majesty or royalty listen to you anytime day or night and come to your aid because you're an heir and because his son guarantees the benefits. Well, finally, he says uh, this mystery what it ought to mean to us. It hit me in verse 13. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Isn't that a little strange? That's kind of a strange way to end it, isn't it? I ask you not to be discouraged about me being in prison, about all the sufferings you've heard. Don't be discouraged that you've heard of all my sufferings. Because my sufferings on behalf of you is your glory. You know what it means? Uh, When you have enough worth in someone's eyes to suffer for, you are really a worthy object in their eyes. They have given you the great compliment. And what has God done in the gospel? God has told human beings, you are worth enough to me to die for. Is he not saying that? What are you worth to God? You're worth enough for me to give my son. I set your price. I set what you're worth. No human being ever told God he had to give a son. It was God's idea. And God says, you're worth a son to me. And then you go beyond the atoning sacrifice of Christ. Then you take the messengers of the gospel. That he's telling these Gentiles, I'm enduring all of this because you're worth it to me as a servant. If I can get you in on this secret and if you can get this access and come to know this Christ and become heirs, you're worth it to me. I'm willing to suffer on behalf of you and your glory is I must be worth a lot to God in his sight that not only would he make his son suffer for me, but even many of his servants are willing to suffer even to the point of martyrdom as in the early church to get me the good news of how I could know God. He must have put a great, great worth on you. A tragic story going on. The Burnhams, we've prayed for them. They're still in captivity. And you know why they're still in captivity? Nobody will pay a ransom to set them free. The Filipino government does not want to do it. The United States government does not want to do it. The New Tribes Mission does not feel that's the policy to do it. And in essence, there's nobody that's willing to exchange the money for two lives. Of course, the message is we can't negotiate with terrorists. We can't negotiate with kidnappers. I understand that. But if it was your boy and your girl and you were a multimillionaire, would it be worth it? Would you negotiate? You bet I would. But think of how helpless their mother and father happened to be, watching the news, not having the means and the wherewithal to buy their redemption and their ransom. The whole issue is, are they worth enough to anybody to pay a ransom? And God said to you and me, you are worth enough to pay for you with a ransom. And the ransom I paid was with my own son.
0: God's Design for Life. That is the title of the series that today's broadcast has been taken from and you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our time together today, we would like to invite you to join us for a marvelous celebration. You know, for almost 20 years now, next year will be 20 years, Truth For Today has been airing on this radio station. As our way of saying thank you for being a part of that ministry, we're inviting you to save the date and then join us. June 4th, that's a Saturday, 4.30 till 7.30 in the afternoon, here at Valley Bible Church at the Family Life Center, we have a celebration of God's goodness to the truth for today radio ministry. Again, our way of saying thank you for being a part of this ministry. It is our hope and prayer that you are growing in grace, that you find these broadcasts encouraging and helpful to you. If you've got testimonies and um, just stories of how the broadcast has encouraged and helped you in your relationship with Christ, we'd love for you to join us as we celebrate together God's amazing goodness towards us as we've continued this ministry here on this radio station. So save the date. Again, June 4th, 430 to 730 at Valley Bible Church. For information and details, simply give us a call at 855 833 9864 or stop by our website for further information truthfortodayradio.org and again that phone number is 8558339864 it's a celebration i know you'll be blessed by so make it a point to join us again june 4th 4:30 to 7:30 at valley bible church again call for details 855833